Gavin, I have one question for you. What's that? Is this Christmas going to be hard candy Christmas or not? I mean, I think for a lot of people. It's a very hard candy Christmas, y'all. It really is, but they'll make it through somehow. So, you know, maybe I'll buy a car. Maybe I'll go real far. Uh, me? <laughs> me? I'll just be fine. I'll, I'll, I'll be, fine. be just fine. I'll be fine. I do like that the line immediately preceding that is maybe I'll just get drunk on apple wine. Yes. There's it's a lot like, of things that, like, I definitely have done karaoke to that song. You know, a little bit drunk. Maybe we're at a straight bar and people are looking at me weird. Whatever. <laughs> and Straights can't hear that song. <laughs> it's a dog whistle. All the gays are like, <laughs> the queers are just like, hello. I'm like, fully, I walked, like, no one was doing karaoke, but I was like, I am going to do karaoke. And I did that song. And people were like, either they were like, oh my God, I haven't heard that song in so long. Or they're like, just knowing like, oh, I'm safe. And... <laughs> Because we're in a pandemic, I'm just assuming that by you doing karaoke, it means you just wheeled a speaker outside of your apartment. <laughs> I've been yelling Hard Candy Christmas outside of my apartment for the last, uh, like, month. Um, uh, this was in the in the before times. Yes. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Well, everybody, <laughs> welcome to the Mixed Reviews. And you're safe here, everyone. You are safe here. Yes, you absolutely are. We are a film podcast where we take a subject, such as an actor, a director, or a mini-genre, and we talk about what's great, and we talk about what's not so great, and then we give you a good dose of history in the middle, so you can yeah. decide for yourself. Get those doses in. Uh, we, we mix up the reviews, okay? We talk about the good, the bad, all is in between. And we have a little fun doing it, you know? It's the holidays. We do. It's the hula days. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. This is, our, this is our third annual holiday episode. Mm-hmm. We, didn't, we didn't do one the first year. Um, because I am famously not a, a merry bitch, mm, but very unmerry, uh, but uh, a very unmerry. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a grinchy bitch. Except um, we're very <laughs> merry. <laughs> Is hey, he? Hey, Mary. Know. Hey, Mary. <laughs> it's sort of hard to come up with a universal holiday theme. Yeah, because we don't want anybody to feel excluded. We want everybody to be able to listen to this podcast and and feel like they're here with us and they're friends with us. And so we picked something that's maybe a little offbeat this year. Right. And before we get into it, we got some old business to get to. But I do hope you really enjoy this episode because I think this is a subject that has been so much fun. Yeah. At least for me. No, oh, I, absolutely. So fun. Yeah. Um, and, sh- and she's just so beloved. But let's let's do some old business first. We asked you guys to go online to vote for uh, your favorite Eddie Murphy performance. That was our last episode. Um, I was listening to the episode... And I was just like, man, I love our show so much. <laughs> and um, humble. And, okay. Yeah, humble. And I'm going to get, I want to get into this also later, just thinking about like, <laughs> we have a show where we talk about films. We are now selling um, merchandise with our faces on it. I just feel so humble. So, like, you know, <laughs> um, it's not about me. It's the perfect time of year for that, too, really. Right. Just to make it not about yourself. It's just not about me, guys. It's the holidays. Um, anyway, um, so we asked you guys to go vote online. Um, and here are the results The Nutty Professor came in at 10%, Beverly Hills Cop came in at 17%. Dream Girls came in at 24%, and coming out on top is Coming to America with 49%. Um, I, congratulations, Gavin. I see you celebrating over there. Thank you. Um, It's a little bit funny to me, you know. This feeling inside. This feeling inside. (laughs) Um, 
No, I, I, you know, people online, like um, some of our listeners were posting online, like, you know, Eddie Murphy is always on. And yes, and, and that is the truth. They proved our point. Yeah. That, you know, literally just going through, uh, you know, the menu and what's playing on TBS, TNT, HBO, Showtime, there's always going to be something on. And uh, I'm a little bit surprised that, I, I mean, I don't know if surprise is the right word or not, but like The Nutty Professor came in last. Um, not because I think, yeah. not that I think it's like a great performance, but truly like we were talking about, you know, doing all those performances, I think at the time was so groundbreaking, um, you know, and, and I, I think it's just because it hasn't aged well. I yeah, think that's that's really the key to it. It's he, he's doing impressive stuff and he's doing a really unique thing by playing all those characters in one movie and making them feel real or as real as they can to an extent. And I just think the the yeah. topic <laughs> it I, just I mean, doesn't. It's I, I the thing is, I can I don't even know if the topic is the right thing to say because. I understand the like want and urge to be someone else. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. It's just like that's, the handling of it is so poor. Yeah. Um, and that's totally what I meant. I am not. Yeah, no, I I completely get that. The 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 impetus for doing the film one hundred percent makes sense to me. It's the execution in which it's handled. It's yeah, yeah, totally. Like I mentioned at our, at our last episode, we talked about how we were maybe going to have some um, cute, cute shirts and things and now we in fact do some of you out there in the universe already have them which is crazy i that's <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm still waiting Bonkers. for mine to be shipped and delivered um so big ups to you guys thank you so much for buying our um little merchandise we um gavin uploaded a, a second shirt so we have two shirts two designs available um yes and and the the second design comes in magnets as well too just because i Fine. thought that was a cool thing to yeah. offer uh, magnets and stickers but i did want to say my mom also has a shirt now too <gasps> oh so my god that's so she fun. has your little face and my little face on it so yeah yeah our our, our stuff has our cute little faces on it so you can just <laughs> um, enjoy that it comes in all sorts of colors um and also literally i had to turn off a bunch of other merchant like yeah it's a it's a red bubble store essentially and so i designed this design and you could put it on anything i turned off a Almost everything except for the shirts um, and of tote. And now there's magnets <clears throat> in the second design. If there is like, if you want a shower curtain, we can make it happen. If you want a duvet <laughs> cover, we can make it happen. Just let us know. Um, but Absolutely. we really appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's just, we're not like making money off of this. Is it, I, I put no. it, I put it the price at the lowest I could to cover the cost of the, the shirt. They're printed on demand. So it's not like, you know, we have a bunch sitting around. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it, I don't want anybody to think that we got into the merch business to, <laughs> with the idea that we're going to be making any money. We did. We set all the prices as low as we possibly could because it's more just about I don't know. It's it's a cool thing to have, and also Redbubble is really pushy about wanting more artwork. So I'm just saying, Louis. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Or, if, yeah, Redbubble keeps emailing me about like, wanting you know. more things. If any of you creative cats out there have some like I don't know fanfic or like fan art, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I, I'm opening a can of worms now. Um, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. But all I have to say, thank you for everyone who um, has purchased, um, and you know. Uh, that money is going to basically be going to helping, um, you know, keep our show running and um, all that good stuff. So thank you about that. Uh, we also did want to mention um, we had a, a passing that we really were um, feeling affected by. Um, Absolutely. It's it's very sad news and it's shocking news, actually. Natalie DeSell-Reed, 
who was in the movie Baps with Holly Berry. She's also in Set It Off, and she's one of the stepsisters in the Brandy Cinderella. Uh, She passed away this past week uh, from colon cancer. She was at the age of 53, which is far too young um i she has three kids i can't imagine what they're going through my father died at 55 so like i i get it it's awful um yeah so i saw the news when it came by and i immediately posted it to our twitter just because i was like so shook and thank you for that she was so such a bright and like energy so funny energetic and um just so I think important to especially uh, black cinema and, you know, uh, Holly Berry posted a bunch of uh, lovely, you know, um, tributes and things of that nature. Yeah, she, she actually said uh, Natalie represented actual black women, not what black women are perceived to be. For that, she was often underrated, passed over, deprived of a platform she truly deserved. But her light continues to shine, shine through the people who grew up watching her, the people who knew her best and those of us who loved her. I'll love yeah. you forever, my sweet friend. Yeah. So just, you know, rest in power to Natalie. Um, we thank you for your talents. And hopefully, you know, I, and here's the thing. People until Time Memoriam will know her work and how beautiful and funny um, and her charisma that she had through, um, you know, Cinderella and Set It Off and especially Baps. Um, so if you want to hear more, we talked a little bit about her in our Holly Berry episode, but we just wanted to give that shout out to, um, you know, her yeah. and her family that we're thinking of her. We have one more piece of old news that we got. We do. And it's, a, it's a fun, it's exciting a f- one. It's, it's the season of giving. It's yeah. a time to give back. I don't know why I'm saying it. Like, I don't mean it. I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> we were contacted by a really cool agency that wanted to partner with us to give away some free rentals of a new movie. Yes. And so... We're really excited to to offer this to you guys. So we have five free rentals of a new film called The Stand-In, starring Drew Barrymore. None other than actual, chaotic, <laughs> iconic, comedic, like, uh, legend Drew Barrymore. Absolutely. And so we just wanted to read you a tiny bit of the copy so you know what this movie is, and then we'll tell you a little bit more of how to enter this contest. Here we go. We don't normally read on this show, so the except for each other. Except for each other. Streaming now on Redbox On Demand, Drew Barrymore stars in the hilarious comedy The Stand-In, featuring a stellar comedic supporting cast including Holland Taylor and Ellie Kemper, and directed by Jamie Babbitt, the writer and director of But I'm a Cheerleader. You might know her from Hello. So good. So Drew Barrymore, she stars as a famous comedy star, and she hires her on-set stand-in, which is also Drew Barrymore, to take her place. A princess witch. (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa Hudgens where? Drew Barrymore is playing doubles, and she hires her stand-in to take her place after she's being ordered to serve a year in rehab. So we've got the the rehab Drew, and then but we've also got the stand-in Drew, uh, living La Vida Loca. Um, So the unassuming woman flips the script and she steals the actress identity um her career her boyfriend and so it's kind of like this big outrageous comedy about trading places oh trading places that sounds familiar <laughs> so you can stream the stand in instantly on your smart tv or favorite device with the Redbox on demand app today the film is rated r and it's from paramount pictures yes. and five of you out there or i don't know if you have people over but safely because we are in the covid times yes uh more we have five download codes for this rental. It is only a rental. You don't get to keep it, sadly. 
And basically what we're going to do, and we're going to make it as easy as possible on you, is we're going to have you email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. And in the subject line of the email, put in the special code word. Which is candy cane. Candy cane. Candy cane. (laughs) Candy cane. The code is candy cane. Uh, Put that in the subject line, email us, and the first five people, we will send you the code to watch the stand-in. And honestly, we love Drew Barrymore. Yes. So funny. And what a better way to uh, spend the holidays than curled up with, you know, your roommate, your loved one, your dogs, whoever, watching this fun new comedy. So we've got merch out. We've got this contest going on. Uh, a lot of fun stuff happening over here in the world of the mixed reviews. So uh, get yourselves to the computer and uh, send us over candy cane in the subject line and we'll send you those um, downloads. Thanks, everyone. But we need to get on with the show. And so let us introduce our very special holiday subject this year. It may sound different. It may sound odd. But trust me, I'm pretty sure she's been in more Christmas movies than she's yeah. been in other not types cr- of movies. Christmas movies. <laughs> So, Louis, who are we talking about this year? Oh, my goodness. We're talking about none other than the actual legend, Miss Dolly Parton. Um, Wonderful. The wigs, the glitter, the rhinestones. The the high heels. Yeah. The wigotry. (laughs) It's just the wigotry. When I say the wigs, I mean the wigotry of it all. I mean, Uh, in in your research process, which uh, Louis and I, before we began the show, we're talking about how extensive both of us went for this one. Because it's a lot. And it's interesting because it's a lot of... We'll talk about it. But yeah. did you run into the Marie Claire RuPaul interview oh, that yeah. she just did? Yeah. Yeah. And she she has admitted she is a drag queen 24-7. So Yeah, I even read an older L article where she says, if I wasn't born a girl, I would be a drag queen because I love all things sparkly. Which to me, she's already a queer icon. She's the opposite of that very not good stereotype of gay men who think like fabulous women live inside of them. She's the opposite of that. <laughs> Um, but Very yeah, true. we love Dolly. And and like Gavin said, you know, she's in so many Christmas movies. She has her very psychotic Christmas on the Square right now streaming on oh, Netflix. Yeah. Um, it's as as you warned me before we began this episode, it's technically a movie. It is technically a movie. <laughs> um, it's a fever dream. <laughs> um, Certainly. All the pieces were there, but who knows? Who um, knows? So just to give a little like um, pre, uh, we're not going to talk too much about her song singing career no. like music career you might you know yeah. we might bring up songs here and there she's obviously got hits and she's got bangers but we're here to talk about dolly the person and the actress and, yes and i think what's fascinating about her and it's going to be interesting to see i told louie this is either going to be the world's longest <laughs> rewind or the world's shortest rewind because I think what's fascinating about her and what's so interesting is I'm not sure what the real Dolly Parton is. Mm. I think the actress Dolly Parton is the character Dolly Parton that we have known the entire time. Right. And and so I don't think there's a delineation between the person we see in interviews and the, and the person, person we see on screen. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. it's such a weird, it's weird, right? But it's not bad. I don't want to say it's bad. I, I love it. I love the fact that she knows herself so well that she was able to make herself into the person she wanted to be. But it's so strange to do somebody who is 
a star all the time. All the time. Exactly. Exactly. She like she told RuPaul, she says, you get to take off the wigs. I do not. Yeah, yeah she is. She's not going to die in an earthquake. Yeah, her she read on. him to fucking filth. And she said, <laughs> yeah, that's cute that you still have your old ass wigs. <laughs> she was like, I have a wig for every day of my life, honey. Yeah, okay. she's like, um, why don't you have a museum or a theme park like I do? <laughs> right. Uh, I also just love hearing you say museum, Gavin. Hmm. <laughs> okay, let's get into this rewind. So Miss Dolly Rebecca Parton, she was born January 19th, 1946. So that makes her 74 years old. And she has the face of a 40-year-old who has the face of a 20-year-old. Yes, So yes. There, there's, there has been a lot of work. There's a been a lot work. of work. She's admitted to it, so I'm not making my jokes are all in good nature. And and one of the things I love about Dolly is she always says, you know, I make fun of myself more than anybody else can. So she and she makes you know, them first. She makes them first, exactly. Oh, I know they make fun of me, but actually, all these years, the people, you know, have has thought the joke was on me, but it's actually been on the public. I know exactly what I'm doing, and I can change it at any time. I make more jokes about myself than than anybody, because I enjoy. I know, like I say, I am sure of myself as a person. I'm sure of my talent, and to me, and I'm sure of of my love and for life and that sort of thing. I'm very content. I like the kind of person that I am. So I can afford to piddle around and do diddle around with makeups and clothes and stuff because I am secure with uh, myself. It takes a lot of money to look this cheap. A lot of money to look this cheap. Amen. Hallelujah. I wish I could say the same, but I'm poor. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, it takes a very small amount of money for me to look this cheap. (laughs) (laughs) It's so crazy. We're like the same. except It just comes very naturally. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a lot of information about Dolly out there. Um, Me and Gavin both listened to uh, Dolly Parton's America, which is another podcast that you guys can go listen to. Um, And it's about her life and the music and, um, you know cultural stuff um about her i did want to give a real quick shout out because i highly recommend going and listening to that it came out last year it's uh wnyc did it i also do want to give a shout out to another podcast that actually follows us on twitter uh my year with dolly Mm. and i just want to be fair because you know i i want people to know that there are other resources out there uh, if you want to go and hear more about dolly parton because we are you know i always say the show is sort of like a one-on-one course we want to give you the tools for you to continue doing your education for these things and also i just it makes me think of when we did the nicole kidman episode and i said we're the only nicole kidman podcast and i just want to reiterate that that's true and there's been no other nicole kidman podcast ever this is the only one for sure yeah but there are other Dolly podcasts. No, yeah, at least one or two. Yeah, 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 easily one or two. But no other Nicole Kidman podcasts. Don't you even look for them. No, there's no exist. reason to. Feudal, feudal. So Dolly uh, was born in like, on, and she loves telling the story about basically uh, on the uh, you know right at the edge of the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee and uh, Little Pigeon River. Uh, and in movies, they have depicted this, uh, and she has sung about this, but it was a one-room cabin. Uh, she had, there's 12 siblings, uh, six boys and six girls, uh, and she was the fourth of the 12. Her yeah. uh, mother was A.V. Lee Caroline, 
and Robert Lee Parton was the dad, young Larry, who um, died shortly after birth, um, and uh, her brother Floyd died in 2018. They they all worked on this farm. They were all there was no running water. She makes a joke, you know, there was no running water unless you went and rent run for it. Uh, <laughs> they. She was very musical from a very young age. Everyone kind of knew that Dolly was always singing. Uh, she started learning how to play banjo and guitar when she was around seven. Was singing. Yeah, she basically built her own sort yeah. of banjo mandolin out of out of some broken guitar strings. And yeah, yeah. And, I, and she she played it for a full year before her uncle was able to get her an actual guitar. I was born on January the nineteenth, nineteen forty six, in Sevier County. It's Seville, Tennessee. It's a little town between Knoxville, Tennessee and Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And you might shorten it by saying the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains. Tennessee and the Great Smokies is very um, important to both her and her career. She's gone back, uh, you know, built in a, in a literal empire out of Dollywood, um, you know, the, her theme park. And I love hearing her say, you know, because I think I've had these same thoughts before about about wanting to honor where you're from, honor your parents and honor your upbringing. And she said that Dollywood is that for her. She's wanting to give back to her community, even though she has left and was, you know, has traveled the world to become a big star. It was important to her that the people of where she's from knew that her heart and soul was forged there. Um, And I just thought that's so beautiful because I've often like felt guilty about leaving my hometown and parents and all that stuff. Um, Let me tell you, I've talked to some of the people in your hometown. They don't feel that way. And they're pissed. <laughs> they're like, uh, please stop coming back. Yeah, they're like, ooh, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> that Applebee's you love going to has been torn down. <laughs> Dolly's family was very poor. Um, she did not have a lot of material things. None of the family did. Um, if you, as you can imagine, you know, her dad, uh, they had a small tobacco farm and they had a small piece of land where that they worked to literally eat. And yeah, that's he, was, how they, he was a sharecropper, nonetheless. Right. Yeah. And that was how they um, made money. That's how, and the mom made their clothes. Um, and they were also very, and I don't mean this in any uh, kind of shameful or judgmental way, just uneducated. You know, yeah. uh, first of all, it was the 40s. Um, and also, they just did not have a lot of money. Um, and they, they, I th- if you can imagine, you know, I think um, anyone coming from a small town or a small area, rural especially, can't see beyond w- what's around them sometimes. Right. Um, and so um, she, but she has said, you know, music was, it wasn't just something to do. It was an escape. It was how to like kind of look beyond that. And so she, she was, at, I think around age 10, she started singing at her grandpa's church. That, yeah. Um, his her grandpa was the pastor, um, and, 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 she, and that's where she starts singing. And and just to, to point out, too, her mother was a very musical person. She would mm-hmm. often sing them, you know, Smoky Mountain folklore and, and folk ballads a lot, which date back, you know, to the old country as well. And she, on the flip side of that, you know, she and she's very honest about this. Her father was illiterate. Yep. But she said he was the smartest man, smartest businessman she's ever met in her life that he was incredibly gifted and intelligent and so those two major things sort of form right you know the dolly you know the thing about her the 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 musical storyteller quality the the dreamer as well as the very practical the very business-minded i really think that i got 
my business sense from my dad. You know, my daddy was a thinker. My daddy was a worker. And he would work till he fell over to get the job done. My mother's people were very musical. And musicians, as a rule, are not that, you know, they just want to do that. <clears throat> so I actually feel like that I got that business part from my daddy. And I really think that you have to kind of pay attention to, you know, to your work. And there's that when they say, I'm going to be in the music business. Of course, I'm going to be in the music, but I'm also going to be in the business end of the music business. When she was born, her parents couldn't afford to pay the um, the doctor who came and delivered her. And so they literally paid the doctor in a bag of cornmeal. Uh, and you can imagine giving little baby Dolly Parton to the mom <laughs> and then like the dad is like handing over a bag of cornmeal and like oh, the day's work is done. <laughs> like Evan said, you know, her uncle was very um, pivotal in her musical development and to become a young woman who would want to go and become a mus- musician, a star. Um, she says when she was young, she had grand visions. She always wanted to be the biggest star possible um, and, and not limiting it to just music. She wanted to be on the world's biggest stage, no matter you know how, how, how it could happen or what it would be. Um, and her uncle was the one who facilitated that. So she would sing on local radio and TV shows in Eastern Tennessee um, when sh- she was appearing on um, the Cass Walker show and radio in Knoxville uh, at 13, she recorded Puppy Love um, at a small Louisiana label. And she appeared on the Grand Ole Opry where she met Johnny Cash. And he was, he said, you should definitely, you know, pursue something. So she graduated high school and then moved to Nashville at the next day. And she was so poor, had so little um, she was, I don't want to say stealing food. And she says it wasn't like stealing food, but like at hotels and, um, where she was staying, she would see discarded food, like literally trash and yeah. go and grab it. I would get whatever looked savable. And then I would get like a jar of mustard and a jar of ketchup and you can work wonders with making little soups. And I think it's hard to imagine because she is such a regal sparkling glittering diamond in the canon of american culture it's very hard to imagine her um not just like struggling her way through nashville not like just like oh taking odd jobs here and there but literally eating out of trash her parents were supportive but they did not send her with any money to the big city they did not send her with any education to the big city they sent her with you know how they raised her and, you know, this kind of uh, tradition of folk music from the Appalachian Mountains. That's that's all she had and her voice and her wits. And so it's really hard to imagine, you know, a young Dolly Parton really uh, before she's discovered, before anything, um, going through such hardships. It's it's kind of staggering. Um, I think the only person that really that we've had an episode of that comes to mind is like Viola Davis and her yeah. upbringing were re- literally coming from nothing and having to make um, their way on their own via sheer star power. Also, just a quick sidebar or note, um, the first day she's in Nashville, she meets her husband. Yeah, she met him at a laundromat called the Wishy Washy. The Wishy Washy laundromat. <laughs> we always joke about it's been wishy washy ever since. And I say the you know, the reason we've lasted fifty years because I've been gone forty seven of those. 
But we're just, we're good friends. We have a lot of respect for each other, but we're both crazy. We both have a great sense of humor. So we have a lot of fun. And I think there's a whole lot to be said about enjoying other, you know, each other's company. I don't think people realize she's married. You know, right. she's never had any kids. But she she married in 1966. Mm-hmm. She has been married for twice my age. Yeah, <laughs> like and and I I don't know. I think I think that's really fascinating that that uh you know Carl D- T- Carl Thomas Dean that's has been name, able yes. to to keep out of mm-hmm. sort of the the public eye in such a way. He doesn't do public appearances with her. He does not go to openings he does not really uh the one funny story i found about him was during the sh- the filming of nine to five he came to the set and uh jane fonda had been telling lily tomlin earlier that day that she was husband hunting and <laughs> she spotted him across the set and said that one's mine i want his number and dolly came over and she was like oh really do you want to go meet him oh, and then introduced God. him her as husband and jane fonda said she felt mortified but i i love that i love yeah. that whole like the mystique, and we're going to get more into the mystique of Dolly in a moment, but I think this is really sort of partly where that public image starts right. of, you know, this person, this singular entity. Right. And I, I mean, I didn't mention, but it's worth noting, you know, she's always been the more is more gal we know today, even when she was a kid. And this is a very famous story, but her look is modeled after the town What's the word we want to use? Sex worker. This t- yeah. the, sh- the, she would describe it as the town tramp. Um, uh, who yeah. was, Oft- oftentimes they called them back then painted ladies. Yes. Kind of yeah. And so she was beautiful with huge high heels, glitter rhinestones, painted lips, big hair. And she always wanted to look that way. She wanted to be beautiful. She wanted to be glamorous. Um, and her grandfather at the church was just like always yelling at her for putting on makeup and stuff and he'd say you know don't you want to get into heaven and she'd say yeah do i have to look like hell to get there though (laughs) which is such a like there's a lot of moments the the writing of dolly's life is too much for me like sometimes i'm like the writer's room who are writing (laughs) the lines for dolly it's too much she has like a like a mad magazine coterie of one-liners that just always always ready she is ready, honey. Um, so she's first starting off as a songwriter in Nashville, but there's not a lot of money there. Like the money is in performing songs. Uh, and the she gets with the record label. They want to make her to sound more like the Beatles. They think her voice is too high to be a country singer. She's not finding a lot of success. And finally, what breaks through is the song um, Dumb Blonde. Um, it's not a huge yeah. hit, but it, it it breaks through and it's kind of like her moment. Dolly's early songs are just kind of like radical feminisms for the time. The insistent witnessing of women was the way that um, another journalist um, put it, which I think is so beautiful. Uh, you know, she's talking from a woman's perspective and insisting that you pay attention and you hear their story and fighting back against, uh, you know, how women were being treated in other songs. You know, a lot of songs and uh, that were, f- were fully reflecting the time where uh, women were not being treated well at large, but also specifically in the American South. Yeah, absolutely. So she um, gets a call to go meet Mr. Porter Wagoner, um, who at the time had the number one syndicated show 
in the U.S. Uh, it was a variety show, talk show, music, and he had a little gal pal. Norma Jean left the show for whatever reason, speculate all you want, um, and he <laughs> needed a new gir- a girl. He, girl he really singer. With, yeah, yeah, they a would call them the girl singer. <laughs> a pretty little gal. Yep. Uh, and Dolly, you know, was like absolutely yes. I, 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 she, she didn't even know that that was the meeting. What the, that meeting was for, and she was like, you know, flabbergasted. Um, it was because they had such good chemistry, both you know, just with banter and in singing. They had a lot of duets that really like made them super popular. That's what like blew yeah. her up, gave her every opportunity um, that she's had now. And she said, you know, I would not be here without. Porter, um, she's like I, w- I would hope that I would be able to figure it out and and make it, but the reality of my life is that without Porter's help, I would not be here. Um, and and they really go through some up and de- ups and downs. She was not yeah. welcomed by the audience at first, and he sort of had to tell the audience, you know, face the change or get out. Uh, and then eventually, as you mentioned, they do hit after hit with them as a duo. They co-produced in a company called Opar. And finally, he recommended that she do a cover of the Jimmy Rogers hit Mule Skinner Blues. And that's that's what led to her solo thing. And it, it, it worked. It was it was kind of gimmicky. He was like snapping a whip during it. And, but but it worked. It, right. It like put her on the map. Yeah. And, and it, this is what I like to call as her A Star is Born moment, because fully, you know, as it's his show, it's his way or the highway. And she kind of, you know, after five years is like, all right, let's, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'm not, <laughs> my, my whole life is not going to be some little chick, side chick, essentially, to this guy. Um, and she had her own wants and her own dreams. And while her star is, you know, ascending, his is dipping. And, and like you mentioned, she's a prolific songwriter. She's, she literally writes Jolene and um, I Will Always Love You on the same night. Hello? Um, and she writes that's so will, nuts <laughs> that's fucking wild um, and and she's, she writes I will always love you essentially as a goodbye song to Porter Wagner um, That that's who uh, inspired it she said you know it's essentially a thank you for everything you've done but I cannot stay I'm all, I, like we're, we're just fighting and, and they had a very contentious um, you know uh, splitting he sued her for a million dollars um, you know, they eventually made up and, and you know, he yeah. died a couple years ago. And, and she said, you know, it's it's she's like, it's just way more complicated than anyone will ever know. And, right. um, you know, and which I totally understand. Sometimes it's like if you're not in it, you're just not in it and you're not going to get it. You know, yeah. it's not as simple I, as what anyone can just whittle it down to. I loved her description for every house. There's two stories. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that was I, I think that's really beautiful. But she forgave him, which is. Mm hmm. You know that Dolly has said she has friends that call her the the Dolly Lama because <laughs> she she just has this thing about her where you know she's so open hearted and and doesn't want to hate anybody and so she sat by this man's bed as after he was dying yep and and talked with him even though <laughs> this asshole sued her for a million dollars over you know allegedly trumped up charges and she settled and paid it over the years you know she didn't yeah. have it at the time obviously yeah. this yeah. is still early dolly but yeah i mean she's so young and and she said you know after that meeting it was when she was driving home and it was 
raining and that and that's how she literally wrote on the drive home light of a clear blue morning um and and, and that's kind of like gives you um a peek into like truly how prolific she was yeah in her songwriting it was just so um ingrained her it's, it's, and 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 also i forgot to mention she cannot read music she does not know like the technical if you gave her sheet music if you gave like it that is not her jam that's not her gig it's just part of her soul and who she is and on top of that she can play like 20 instruments yeah now she she claims if you ask her about them she's like oh i dabble oh i do a little bit of this but she can play <laughs> 20 yeah. instruments. like one of her concerts she busted out a pair of pan pipes no big deal no big deal casual just, just do it music is natural and i love it and i just decided early on i love the music so much i'm gonna make it my career my business also worth noting a fun little fact that um, Elvis Presley wanted to record I Will Always Love You his manager wanted half of the publishing rights and Dolly said I don't fucking think so honey yeah she said this- it was one of the hardest decisions she ever, she ever had to make which yeah. I can imagine you know somebody like that loving Elvis and that proved to be so fucking smart because guess what if you can't get Elvis bitch you get Whitney <laughs> exactly um, oh man, she made so much fucking money off of the bodyguard. I know, we'll I get know. to it. We'll get to it. Um, so she she makes a split from Porter, and she just pops all the way off. She knew that she could break through into the mainstream, the pop mainstream, and she did not have to be shackled by country. And she said, "It wasn't me leaving country; it was me taking country." And that's what she did. She had her own variety show. It was one season. She did it twice. Both were only one season. But the first one um, was in the 70s, and it was just called Dolly. And she said that she had to stop doing it just because it was straining her vocal cords, which I imagine, you know, it's a lot of fucking work to do. Ladies and gentlemen, Dolly Parton. Share show, which she got a, um, a Golden Globe nomination for yeah. being on the Share show. Uh, and so this is where we really start to see the Dolly Parton that we know, you know, the hair, the costumes, <laughs> the sparkle, the razzle dazzle. She gave it some zazz and then some. That's a prom reference. I'm sorry. It's a prom reference. Um, Ugh, don't you bring that here. Don't you come around here looking like that. Kind of what to you're alluding to, Gavin. This is also when the mainstream media starts. I don't want to say coming for her, but asking questions. Yeah, you know? and she says, "Listen, if I'm out here looking like this with my tits hanging out, like I knew what they were thinking. I knew what they were going to ask." And she was like, "And it's my job to disarm it all and just." make it work because and and she's such a fucking master there's that very iconic um interview she has with barbara walters who is just like well aren't you worried that people are gonna think you're a joke and she's like no because the industry's a joke and i'm in on it and you guys are the ones being fucking played because guess what bitch you're buying my music watching my shows it's certainly a choice i don't like to be like everybody else i've often made this statement that I would never stoop so low as to be fashionable. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. So I just decided that I would do something that would at least get the attention. Once they got past the shock of the ridiculous way I looked and all that, then they would see there was parts of me to be appreciated. I'm very real 
where it counts, and that's inside, and as far as my outlook on life and the way I care about people and the way I care about myself and the things that I care about. But I just chose to do this, and it's show business is a money-making joke, and I just always like telling jokes. <laughs> and she's doing it all with that Southern charm. She's doing mm-hmm. it, you know, she never breaks composure. And I will, I will say, like, I'm all for a good journalist and our journalist. Those questions Barbara Walter is asking are verging on inappropriate because she's yeah. making value judgments against yeah. Dolly. She's telling her things like, you don't have to look like this. You don't right. have to have the wigs and the makeup and the hair. And I don't, I don't know. I think it's fascinating to watch because as you said, it's, it's really the birth of Dolly. It's this sort of uncrackable uh, outside visage that, that <laughs> we see you know, and clearly there's a mastermind behind it, which is her. Her own brain is genius. I truly, truly think Dolly's a genius. It's funny because in that Dolly Parton's America podcast, one of the scholars they talked to says, you know, if if she was born in like the 1600s, the 1700s, she's She'd Mozart. Mozart, yeah. Which is not true because we live in a patriarchal society that would have burned <laughs> her as a witch. But <laughs> But I do think she's a genius. And I think... It's so interesting to watch that because she's never dishonest and she never mm-hmm. lies. She's really great at evading mm-hmm. questions and she does it by talking them through, which yeah. I think is really fascinating. She just keeps talking and talking. But she, you know, she kept saying or she keeps saying, you know, I'll always tell you the truth or what I want you to hear. Yeah. And, and she's I think like, that's. Yeah. You know, she's just like, you, you ask her questions. I'm an open book or I'll tell you what you want to hear. I'll tell you what I want you to hear. And 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 she's just so good at that. And this is the moment where we see her like owning who she is. She's free from Porter Wagner and what he wants her to be. She's taking this glittering and she has this great quote um, from an article. She said, you know, I always thought rhinestones shine and sparkle just as well as diamonds. And I fucking love that because it's that ratatouille of it all. Like, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from or who you are. Like, you could be an artist and it doesn't take, like, the nice things to, like, shine. Uh, and she's the perfect living example of that. The vision is always immaculate. I guess this is the groundwork for me to say, like, she's always on. The acting yeah. is always happening. Yeah. You know, she's always that firecracker. There's all those awful interviews that she had with men who are just like, you know, they're kind of doing the fake out, like alluding to her breasts, right. wanting to know about her sex life, this and that. Um, but and so she's always she always has to be ready, you know, and, and like she told RuPaul, she's like, there is not a moment when I cannot be. You take yeah. that off. I'm always on. Um, there's also a Netflix documentary that I think she produced last year. It's called Here I Am. Yeah, it was, it was actually produced by the BBC. In that they interviewed Jane Fonda. And Jane Fonda's like, uh, I've seen Dolly. Wait, did she say? She used that I saw her without a wig on once or I've never seen her without. Well, like, Lily Tomlin said she's never seen her without a wig. Right, right. She's an entity that exists and she's kept it alive for how many decades? So I think it's partly her now. I mean, if it wasn't her before, which I think it partly was, I think it's certainly instilled itself in her so much that she is who she is, even though she isn't. This is the time when Jane Fonda approaches uh, Dolly Parton for 
9 to 5. Uh, Dolly has said that she had been approached for a lot of movie roles before this, and she had always turned him down, said it wasn't right for her. Um, but she admired Jane Fonda, who, by the way, we have covered before. With One of my a, favorite episodes. Yes, with a guest, special guest, Dan Mecca. Dolly was so appreciative. She understood the weight of what it meant for someone like Jane Fonda to come to her and say, I want you to be part of this movie. And also, uh, we've got Lily Tomlin on tap. And she appreciated and respected both of them as artists. Yeah. And said, this is what I want to do. And this is how I want to uh, start my acting career in movies. Um, she said, under one condition... I want to write the song and I want to sing the song. <laughs> and they said, honey, pop off. Can, Go can for I, it. Can I undermine that story just a tiny bit? I, I don't mean to do this, but I think it's just a funny anecdote. Uh, Jane Fonda's initial reasoning behind Dolly Parton is she was driving in LA and she was listening to the radio and she heard Two Doors Down, one of Dolly Parton's hits. And she thought to herself, you know, it'd be really funny. Dolly Parton in front of a typewriter and she can't see her hands because her breasts are too big <laughs> there you go i mean but it's it's it is the perfect oh you know yeah it is absolutely because and, and again like from dumb blonde her first like breakthrough hit to this uh you know and she's had tons of songs about women and fucking you know their existence how about that yeah um and and the idea that you could be a busty, beautiful, blonde, sharp-tongued woman, and you still fucking deserve respect. And you yes. still not only deserve it, but can be a professional woman and yeah. and, a prof- and, and, and live in our fucking earth and not deserve to be harassed. And and Dolly has, has mentioned that that's sort of the, the, the genesis of Dolly. It's her... It's her faith and her connection to her own spirituality and her music and the sexuality, the playfulness, her genuine love of men. Yeah. And, you know, I it's absolutely that sort of mystique that she generates and in a completely positive way that it doesn't have to be seen as a negative thing. It doesn't. And that's one of the things nine to five plays with so well is her character. Dora Lee is assumed to be sleeping with the boss because the boss is telling everybody he's sleeping with her, but it's so believable to the other characters, including Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin because of the way she looks and because of the way she dresses. Right. And they're not willing to give her the benefit of the doubt, even though She's a person. She's a yeah. human. She's just like them. And she's not only a person and a human, but she's she you know she's married. Yeah, you know, she's worked there. I mean, fucking Jane Fonda has been there for one minute and is already yeah. casting judgment. Like, what the fuck? Oh, hi, Judy. How's everything going? Fine, thanks. Hey, how would you like to have lunch with me today? Well, I'm afraid I I can't. Thanks. Well, well maybe tomorrow. I know the cutest little Italian restaurant. Just a hop, skip, and a jump from here. Well, I think I should stay in the office and, and get to know the routine. Uh, but thanks anyway. Yeah, sure. You know what? She's in 9 to 5 and it's a huge smash. Um, it, it's ca- the second highest rated comedy of that year, which is unheard of because it's considered a quote unquote women's film. Yeah. And it it rides the wave of, you know, like that was when women were going to work. It, it was uh, a big cultural thing, uh, you know, uh, in this review from Roger Ebert. He says, the nine to five is a good hearted, simple minded comedy that will win a place in film history. I suspect primarily because it contains the movie debut of Dolly Parton. She is on the basis of this one film, a natural born movie star. 
a performer who holds our attention so easily that it's hard to believe is her first film. And he's right. And and that's the thing. It's her first film, but she's been doing this for years. Right. She right. she's lived this character. She um it's it's so I mean it's I think it's a wonderful performance. I think it's a really funny movie. Um, you know, it's it was groundbreaking for its time. And even thinking about now, like a lot of the things that in that movie that they depict never even happened, you know, like yeah. job sharing and, and uh, that's, I, I find that. So I just rewatched it yesterday and I was the ideas that Lily Tomlin's character has. I'm just like, these would work. <laughs> these are good ideas. But the funny thing is, is people don't want to implement them because they want, they want to keep the job the way it is. So instead they're just going to like, I don't know, give you free snacks yeah <laughs> like that's Have a it. foosball table and like whatever <laughs> yeah this is a movie that's it came out in 1980 uh yeah. so like 40 years ago and it's and still like it's very ahead of its time for a lot of the things that it talks about um so yeah that's her first um huge uh, breakthrough um in 81 she very quickly begins filming the best little whorehouse in texas which we talked about a lot in our last holiday episode which is hilarious because it's really not a holiday movie but she did write the song hard candy christmas for it and that song is a banger it is <laughs> so. a banger we me and um i uh, a couple friends watched it the other day and i was just like no 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 this movie is iconic and classic, and you will fucking love it. And guess what? They did. And, and Best Little Horror House is, you know, teams her up with Burt Reynolds. Um, it, it also was a huge critical and commercial success, made a buttload of money. The early 80s, I would say, is like her sweet spot of movie making. Um, when she had fully crossed over, was just, you know, beloved by all. Uh, in 84, she makes Rhinestone with Sylvester Stallone, which is... Uh, oh yeah good you, you can say it go ahead garbage i don't know yeah, like it's so it's so bad and i think the first key to that is in the opening credits when you see the credit that says based on the song yes. rhinestone cowboy yes by glenn gamble absolutely and also this kind of ties back to our last episode because sylvester stallone turned down beverly hills cop to make rhinestone he which absolutely is, did. Which is fucking wild because he said he didn't want to do Beverly Hills Cop because it was too much comedy. I don't know what he thought that this movie was going to be. Right. And I, he, he claims Mike Nichols was attached to it first and that as soon as Bob Clark, the next director, came on, it became a much more slapstick comedy. But I also think the lady doth protest too much yeah. because he then in the 90s did Oscar with John Landis which is very much a slapstick comedy. So like if you already if you already had one major flop 10 years before that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, and he apparently he like reworked a lot of script. It's uh, the movie is very I mean I didn't yeah. know that like white people could like do the like switch trading places thing and feel like and try to make that comedy. I was like, "What?" Yeah, like, it, it's I mean, it's essentially Pygmalion um or my fair lady if you will where dolly plays this country singer named jake ferris and she bets her manager that she can turn this new york cabbie played by sylvester stallone at maybe his most incomprehensible 
whoa, whoa. Folks, ain't nobody gonna embarrass nobody. This man's gonna be a country singer. He's gonna win that bed, he's gonna win my contract, gonna win that taxi, but most of all, he's gonna be gone. Now, I appreciate the hospitality and the fact that you gave birth to this fella here. Oh, and by the way, I promise to feed him pizza once a day. Okay. <clears throat> No, Nick. Hey, can I have a copy of that speech? Nick, no. Oh, Mom. Nicola, Mom. Poor Sylvester. Poor Sylvester Stallone. I, no, I do not feel bad for it. He made this fucking rhinestone No, I bed. feel bad for him because he thinks... I, I, I can't imagine what he... like. I guess he's trying to commit to the bit, but like him <laughs> pretending to sing and he's and Dolly Parton's like, okay, let's like let's hear you sing. And he's just like wailing away like a crazy person, as if like and- a John Bon Jovi on fucking <laughs> shrooms is And the insane. thing is is it doesn't get any better. It no. literally like in the end it's supposed to be like, oh wow, she did it. It's sorry, spoiler alert. Uh but <laughs> but it's like, no, she didn't. She didn't no. do anything. <laughs> the early 80s, that was the time when uh, country music was blasting off everywhere. Um, what's that movie? Urban Cowboy? That yep. was like really popular. And so country was going pop and she was a part of that. And so I'm sure they thought Rhinestone would be a but the gag is that by 84 there was the backlash coming in and country demanded like the true rootsier authentic country blah 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 blah. Here's to say Dolly has a long and storied tradition of the television movie. Yes. Um especially the Christmas television movie. Um and and that kicks off what in 86 uh in a Smoky Mountain Christmas. Yes, uh Smoky Mountain Christmas which is essentially the plot of Snow White. Dolly Parton plays a, a, a pop star uh, who is in L.A. and she's like really wants to reconnect with her roots. She's just not feeling it. So she goes back up to the Smoky Mountains for Christmas and she goes to a ca- her old cabin and it's filled with runaway orphans. Oh. And so she decides to hide the runaway orphans. And while she's there, there's a witch in town. And there's the witch, witch is Yeah, there's a witch and she's jealous. And so, you know chaos ensues dolly gets arrested for hiding the kids the witch turns herself into an old woman and brings an apple pie to her in the jail cell she falls asleep she has to be awakened by lee majors the six million dollar man uh and playing mountain dan (laughs) gavin i thought you were gonna make a joke about this being snow white but it no is snow white it's Snow White. the witch is played by anita morris and i gotta say I fucking loved her. The witch is named Jezebel. Your magic must be strong indeed for you to escape that spell. Or yours isn't. Your intentions are clear, white witch. Come on, I know people talk, but I'm no witch. Oh, you don't fool me. You tried to take my man, and now you're trying to steal my magic. Why don't you take your magic home and use it on yourself? Her name's Jezebel. Like, was the name Slatina too much? <laughs> like, I really enjoyed this. It's a very campy. It's a campy good time. And Dolly's at her most. Like, the hair is big. The shoulders are big. The tits are big. And she's just, you know, just I'm, enjoying it. Having the, fun. The, the cover art is gorgeous. Yeah. Truly just... Just luminous. Yes, angelic. In 1989 is when she makes um, Steel Magnolias, which we live, laugh, love. Uh, We talked about in our um, Sally Field episode. What can I say? It's like the the powerhouse uh, female uh, uh, 
drama of the South. I think Dolly is great in it. I'm not, yeah, this yeah. is no, no aspersion to Dolly, but my, the standout characters for me are like Weezer and Clary. Like they're just the funniest, most biting. Um, and Truvy is just kind of like, everyone likes her. She's like the calmer of the, like the people. She is the hairdresser. So everyone just tells her her story. So it's very. And I think what's, what's funny too is, uh, you know, We've talked about it a couple of times. The play Steel Magnolias is all set inside Truvy's salon. Right. Uh, I think the movie, in removing it from Truvy's salon, she becomes kind of one of the least important characters. And she has maybe some of the, the least amount of screen time yeah. in the film. Steel Magnolias is, is excellent. Streaming now on Amazon Prime. Please watch it. Um <laughs> It's incredible. Between her next big screen film, which comes around in 92, she does another TV movie called Wild Texas Wind. And yes. Wild Texas Wind is, it's a, a abuse drama, I want to say. She, yeah. She uh, plays, shockingly, a country singer. Just want to get it out there. Um, and and she sort of falls under the spell of Justice Gary Parker. Gary Busey. Played, yeah, Gary Busey, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he is um, her manager, but he's also her violently abusive alcoholic husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and You know what? I I, th- I was kind of, like, into this movie. You don't see her in a lot of, like, really dramatic roles like this. And I also was thinking, like, man, I bet you there's a lot of um, women, especially who are fans of hers, who could relate to this. Of the, te- the TV movies... I think this is one of the better ones. I'm only going to half agree with you because I I think her chemistry with with Gary Busey is terrible um, True. because he's Fair. just uh, he's nuttier than a fruitcake. Mm-hmm. That make you mad at me? Oh, it's just habit, I guess. Everybody's got some kind of big deal, and I just don't want to hear that from you. Why not? Well, because. I'm beginning to like you, Justice Parker. So don't blow it. I do think she is good, and I think she's firing on all the right cylinders. She's really nailing everything she needs to accomplish. We haven't even mentioned she owns Sand Dollar Productions. A lot of these TV movies are produced through Sand Dollar Productions. So she really wanted to cast this musician, Ray Benson, and he is such a bad actor it's it's like come on girl give us nothing yeah and, yeah, yeah very and, that. and so i felt bad because she's like really acting her heart out there's the the looks towards mm-hmm. the end of the movie where she's really beat up which by the way speaking of some bullshit uh the the behind the scenes photos of her in that makeup and the the bruised eyes and the broken nose and everything uh were what tabloids would use for years as pictures to say, like, here's a photo of of Dolly Parton right after her plastic surgery. We mentioned oh, up fuck. front. Yeah, we mentioned up front. Dolly is not shy about her plastic surgery. She will. She she's had everything nipped and tucked. So, A, it's stupid for tabloids to even run that. But B, like, it's patently untrue i'm made up of a lot of uh, a lot of parts i always say i'm totally i look totally artificial but where it counts i'm real it was interesting to see this movie in that she is playing an abused woman but she never comes off as like weak it's interesting to think about you know there's a lot of roles like this where it's like how damaged can you be and dolly in this role even if she is like literally physically damaged, she doesn't give him that 
satisfaction. She's never like fully crumpled. And and to me, it felt like this choice of, you know, there are strong women out there who are victims of violence and abuse. And it's not all about like cowering away. She's still going to be this, you know, a powerhouse musician. She is still going to stand up to him. Um, all that to say, though, the ending is bonkers. Like it's a, you know, soap opera nonsense. But um, there are a lot of TV movies that I think she makes. And a lot of them, I don't think, even come close to it being at least as interesting as this one is. But I do think you bring up an important point because I also do think it's important to remind people there isn't one type of person who falls into an abusive relationship. It can really sort of happen to anybody. And it's and forget, like, you know, the victim blaming nonsense in your mind that it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So her her like last theatrical film for a very long time um, and, and we'll get to, you know, what unfortunately is a big flop. Straight Talk is this film, we should say, where she's a, you know, Shirley Kenyon. She's a dance instructor in Arkansas. Um, she she lives with a, a no good man played by Michael Madsen. She decides to leave him one day. She's going to set off on her own and, and hit it big in Chicago. And she accidentally ends up going on air for a self-help yeah. uh, radio line. Uh, Giving people the straight talk. Yeah, exactly. Before that, in a a series of comedic events, meets James Woods. uh, And then... Who's a journalist. Yeah, it turns out he's an investigative journalist. And then he starts... Because they keep trying to sell her as a doctor, he wants to expose her. But then they might fall in love with each other. Oh, no. Yeah. I I like her. And I think she's doing great. And I do think this is maybe the the role that is the least, even though she does have that Southern background in the movie, I feel like this is the role that's least like the Dolly Parton that we know. Right. Like she's, she's not a musician. She's not, a, you know, the only thing that she has really in common with the Dolly we know is the charisma. Yeah. She is giving you the wit. She's giving you the like uh down home charm so you stop sleeping with your wife isn't that what you're trying to say bud well i guess it is yes so who you fooling around with it's not that it's it's not that at all i just um, lost interest in her yeah and who you fooling around with a girl in my office now let me get this straight you got a wife and you got a girlfriend in the office did you say your name was bud or stud <laughs> I'm sorry, but it sounds to me like you're living your life so crooked you have to screw your socks on. You nailed it right in the head, though. Hearing Dolly just, like, be charming to people and their problems, yeah. I think is, is you know, I could fucking get, someone get her an actual radio show. Cause I, w- I was going to say, it's a it's a real easy sell just to be able to sit there and listen to Dolly and, and give, you know, and the funny thing is, is I don't even think a lot of it's particularly good advice. A lot of it's just... <laughs> A lot of it's just her saying stuff and mm-hmm. the stuff between her and, and James Woods is hard. I mean, specifically because we all know what a monster James Woods is, but also like, you know, there's a scene where they go to dinner and he like, you know, he's one of the first questions he asks her is how she lose her virginity. And yeah, it's it just so like, weird. It was so just like fucking weird. Is this meant to be charming? I am not charmed. Yeah. And she's like, well, it was on the bleachers. And I'm like, Wait, yeah, she's not gonna like slap him <laughs> like what <laughs> um also i think this is a good place to also mention that a lot of her movies she writes like the songs for so there's yes. songs that she wrote and like sings in rhinestone that, and literally like all the openings of the movies try and copy the nine to five template and so 
when straight talk starts, it's like, don't 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 straight talk, straight talk. I'm gonna give you straight talk, and it's like, I like your version of the song. Thank you. (laughs) None of them like quite (laughs) capture the same magic of nine to five. It's it's almost like, and I think Dolly does work this way. It's like you give her a line, and she's like, okay, I'm gonna make a song out of that, and so. Where we're nine to five, and it's like there's the movie Straight Talk, Straight Talk, Straight Talk. It's and it happens over and over again. I think, isn't there, like I mentioned, Unlikely Angel? There's yes. a song where it's like I'm an unlikely angel. I'm like we get it. It's the name of the movie. Like she can't help herself. Like Straight Talk has ten Dolly songs in it, Jesus. written by her. Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which was already an established musical. Yes, she wrote multiple songs for it i will always love you is in the film version of uh you know best little whorehouse and and so it's it's almost like she can't help herself and she knows i mean she has said she is a musician like that's the reason she does this that you know that she knows how her bread is buttered but i just think it's so funny that it that it's just so overwhelming it's just this urge to keep writing and keep putting out the project is she's like oh a new project here's 50 songs (laughs) (laughs) straight talk not great poorly reviewed but she wants to keep doing acting. And so she starts trying to do TVs and she does a couple pilots. And most of them pass. The most notable, notable one is heavens to Betsy, which is this pilot where she's the star who comes back to her own town because essentially she heard a voice that she thinks is God that told her to go back to her hometown. Six episodes were shot. None of them aired. And then along comes this unlikely angel in 1996, which is this film that sort of steals from this heaven to Betsy's plot where in except in this case she's a woman who is who dies in a car wreck and she's told at the pearly gates by saint peter played by roddy mcdowell that she can only get into heaven she can only earn her wigs if she helps out this family and on top of all of that this is a secret christmas movie yes she only has until christmas to get it accomplished it is cuckoo crazy town uh you know and and What's funny to me is like they're trying to make her to be like a a bad girl, yeah. and that's why she's not getting into heaven. But f- as far as I can tell, like she was a musician who, who only cared about herself, and she's only getting the second chance because she swerved her car when she was in this car crash to not hit a deer. Who is that actress who is in that sex cult? Oh, oh, fucking Allison Mack Allison is in the Mack movie as one the of the daughter. Yeah, and she's like. A, uh, I don't know, like a proto hot topic girl who like she, steals them all. Yeah, she's like shoplifting. I also think it's funny that the the dad is like, you know, the the main thing seems to be that he works too much. Yeah, hate that. Yeah, um, he's unlikely- providing too much for his kids because their mom died, and like, there's no Christmas in this house because mom liked it too much. It's a very weird try hard thing and and I think that Dolly Parton when she is sanded down in any way is not good. It's just not it doesn't work for me. Um yeah, I think I get that. Also um you know I don't know how much more we'll get we're going to get to you know she's made these movies for NBC about her childhood based right. on her songs. She has a lot of like Netflix now mini series TV things about her songs. That's like way later, but right. We we do yeah. There's two more, basically two more big theatrical releases. She does a lot of cameos. She's in 
Miss Congeniality 2, which we've talked about ad nauseum. Yes. Uh, Nomeo and Juliet, she plays Dolly Gnome. Um, but I think the two other theatrical releases that you sort of have to talk about. Right. Oh, it's oh, Frank, Mc, Frank McCluskey, Frank, CI. Yes. And 2002. And then uh, Joyful Noise. Joyful Noise. Joyful Noise, we talked a lot about in our Queen Latifah episode. Yes. It's not great. Uh, it may come back. Who knows? Uh, Frank McCluskey CI is a movie I'd never heard of. It was mm-hmm. a movie Disney sunk money into because they thought this guy was the next Jim Carrey. It's offensive on every level. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting because it does feel like the the things the things that she's picking for her theatrical releases they start to become more confusing to me. Right, I'll be perfectly honest. Right, and Frank McCluskey, as I was watching it, I was like, maybe this is a stoner movie, and then I thought. But maybe that's offensive to stoner movies because <laughs> it's that bad. Um, and she's like the mom character. She's barely in it. And, you know, she's, yeah, she has a 15 minutes of screen time, I think, is the right. And all this, you know, and what I was getting to, though, because even I think in Joyful Noise, um, this is there's a part of this, you know, of and and there's a bunch of TV movies that I'm sure we'll bring up here and there that I think, you know, Dolly is this unbridled, you know, radiant woman who has had a rich life that I just don't think should be romanticized. You know, I I when I had a very hard time watching Code of Many Colors um, because and I could be very wrong. I could be like overthinking this, but the idea to romanticize, you know, poverty in that way. Yeah. feels very wrong to me. Like. NBC, fuck you for like making me, you know, watch this movie about how literally, and, and I think they think it's okay because it's Dolly Parton and look at her now, but like there are thousands, if not millions of people living in the Appalachian like yeah. area who are not Dolly Parton and right. are, and should not have to live without running water. And, you know, and I'm not saying that's how it is now, but like the fact is that uh, that region of the country is still very, you know, poor very and it has um limited access to basic resources that humans should have um and so it's hard for me to be like the romance of you know and i get that the whole story in code of many colors is about in the song is about her mom making her this coat out of rags she's proud of it the kids make fun of her for it that's a beautiful story i get that it all to me feels so cheap and like nbc whitewashed for public consumption where it's like I I agree with everything you're saying. I would the only thing I would like to add to is the other frustrating thing about both of those films. I don't know if you watched the sequel as well, which Dolly also narrates a bunch of her films besides that, but th- these ones she's specifically the narrator and in the second one she plays the painted lady. Um I think both of those films really push a narrative of community and helping <laughs> each other out and yep. and I think that's a really beautiful thing and a good message. But then both of them undercut everything in the end by basically being like, and then a miracle happened. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and, and I, uh, and I think this is a good time to talk about it because we're probably about to wind down from our rewind. Dolly is, talks a lot about her spirituality. Well, my faith is very strong. I grew up in a very religious family. I'm not, I don't think of myself as religious, but I am very spiritual. I do believe that there's a greater, higher power, and I lean on that every day. I draw from that every day. It makes me strong. And I have faith uh, 
I'm, I have faith to move mountains, meaning mountains of problems, mountains of obstacles, mountains of whatever that may be in my path. I think that's kind of what that means. And it's clear that that spirituality comes from a, a Christian area, and that's fine, and I'm okay with it. And she doesn't, you know, she's not out there doing missionary work. She's not right, forcing right. it on people. But I do think when you watch something like that, and then you get to the end, and then there's just an act of God that uh, a God that basically grants wishes yeah, and with no other explanation. And, you know, she, the, essentially the second movie ends with them being snowed in and trapped. And then suddenly, you know, the, the snow melts just around their house and there's a bag of food outside and somebody has chopped all the firewood. And she's like, well, somebody could have left us those, that food and somebody could have chopped us that firewood, but nobody came forward after all these years. And it's like, okay, so what is my, what am I supposed to take from this? Yeah. That, that, like if I wish hard enough, things are going to happen. And I find that aspect really frustrating because I do think up until that point, there is a, you know, there's this whole subplot about her trying to buy a wedding ring for her mother and her teacher sacrifices this really yeah. treasured memento for it. And, you know, it's community coming together. She, her teacher actually gets the memento back from the woman who sold it to her. Cause she's like, you should have it. And I, I love that stuff. That stuff, I'm like, yeah, you know, people helping people, tangible, real things. Right. And so, yeah, I also found those movies a bit irresponsible as well. They're tricky because I I understand, like, what she's trying to say, but it's just too simple. And I know that her life was not that simple, you know? and Absolutely. And uh, it just doesn't – I don't think it benefits anyone to, you know – Again, I keep saying this, but wrote to romanticize a yeah. life of poverty, um, even though because you know she, her family went through a lot and they survived, and you know, and she, uh, you know, is you know great, and we love her. But it's kind of like that false, like, well, just pick yourself by your bootstraps narrative that I think we push on poor people, especially. But it's like. Yeah, but we're not all Dolly Parton, and we can't yeah. be, and and that should be okay. Like you still should have a life of dignity. Um, I'll get off my soapbox now. Um, um, I I watched so many more things for this too. By the way, oh yeah, I, I I watched a couple other things that she literally plays herself in it. I watched a Country Christmas Story, which is a Lifetime movie about yes. a singing competition. I saw that too. I saw Blue Valley Songbird. Yeah, um, I, I love that she was like, I want them to know it's not me. So make the hair red. Red. It's it's the it's the RuPaul like AJ and the Queen very that, <laughs> um, but you know, but, but this is sort of, I think that what we're getting at when it comes to Dolly is she, you know she's no stranger to sort of playing herself and playing people like her. There's a lot of musicians in her movies, a lot of women from the South, and I, but I do like the fact that she is able to portray that in a positive way because I do think there are a lot of people. You know, people from from the north were were both northerners. Now you you weren't originally. I originally don't want to put that. No. But uh, I think people from other countries have a have a tendency to downplay the intelligence of people in the south, and mm-hmm. I think that's um, you know you you undermine the intelligence at your peril because yeah. I think you know you have people like that. Um, there are some people that think she she plays up the hillbilly. Yeah, uh, famously from that interview with uh with. 
Barbara Walters when she called her a hillbilly. But when I think of hillbillies, <laughs> am I thinking of your kind of people? I think you probably are. Uh, the people that grew up where I was were the ones that you would consider the little Abner people, Daisy May, and that sort of thing. They took that kind of uh, thing from people like us, but we were very proud people, people with a lot of class. It was country class, but it was a great deal of class, and uh, most of them. Um, my people were not that educated, but they are very, very intelligent. Good common sense, horse sense, we called it. Before we move out of the oh, rewind, though. We have we... to, we have to, have to, have to talk about her philanthropy. Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> what do you think I was going to say? I don't know. <laughs> you were, we you were like, to... I want to talk about the 9 to 5 musical. And I was like, okay. We have to have to talk about Megan Hilty in the 9 to 5 musical. Can, can I tell you, I saw the original cast. <sighs> I saw Megan Hilty. I, I'm not, so the original cast is Megan Hilty, Allison Janney, and Stephanie J. Block. Iconic. And I, I don't, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything because I don't want to get the memory wrong. But in the scene where they think they've poisoned the boss and they go to the hospital, one of them forgot their lines. Uh Uh-oh. One of them. I'm not going to say who because I don't fully remember which one. But there was like a full minute pause where all three actresses didn't know what they should do. And then Alice and Janney started to fucking crack up. (laughs) And Megan Hilty started to lose it. And suddenly all three of them picked back up where they were but they were dying they were all three dying yeah one of one of my cherished theatrical memories yeah well hopefully we'll make some more next year god willing (laughs) but anyways Uh, on to philanthropy yes oh i i can we cannot go on without talking about the amount that she has given back to the world the world Uh, um she's probably most uh famously known for the imagination library i knew there was like a fun name with it um (laughs) and and like her father was illiterate and so she wanted to give back in just in her local um, area for a while you know okay well let's be able to send books to kids in eastern tennessee um and then, you know, the governor got wind of it and said, let's do it all over the state. And now it's literally all over the world where they're Absolutely. giving away millions and millions of books to kids uh, and, and, and facilitating literacy, literacy around the world. And that's just fuck that by itself is incredible. Um, and, and if you ask anyone, I think in that um, um, Dolly Parton's America, a lot of Tennessee kids, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember just being a kid and getting come my from that program. Yeah. And just getting my books in the mail from Dolly and, Parton. And each book is personalized with the child's name in it. It's all done in memory of her father because she she thinks, you know, education is super duper important and it affects other aspects of her business. And I do want to say Dolly is a business, but Dollywood they will take some of the books and rework them as plays and invite the kids to come see those plays. Ugh. Like that's so, uh, so much of that is just all charitable work. Right. Um, and the Dollywood foundation, you know, just takes that and goes above and beyond. And we mentioned Dollywood, you know, that came about in the early eighties. She said, you know, I think she said on an interview that she wanted to create a theme park. And then someone who was in the business said, hey, we know how to do that. Let's do that. Um, and Dollywood now brings in millions of visitors to Eastern Tennessee, uh, employs a bunch of people, is like a, at a driving economy in uh, Tennessee. 
Uh, and, you know, she gives so much money not only to uh, literacy programs, but HIV AIDS charities, um, has pledged money to hospitals in Tennessee. Um, you know, most recently, big news came out that she pledged a million dollars to help find a cure for fucking COVID-19. And yeah. it, it literally the vaccine that people are now receiving um, is due to funds that she gave, which is just so incredible. I felt led to make a, a donation, a million dollar donation at Vanderbilt Hospital for the COVID uh, research. And I did that. And so now that the, the, the new vaccine is connected to that, and I just feel grateful, you know, that I, if I have a small part in any way to help things along. And, and I think that's one of the important things to understand. You know, we mentioned earlier the song I Will Always Love You and Whitney Houston. You know, that song made Whitney Houston's version and the residuals that came from that made her most of her fortune. And... The thing is, is she could be a billionaire. She could be a billionaire. She would be the first billionaire we're talking about on this show. Mm-hmm. She's not. Because she gives so much of her money away. Yep. And I and I love that about her because the thing I always think of when I look at rich people, I'm like, when is enough enough? Like, right. how yeah. much is too much? Absolutely. And Dolly Parton's literally that person that's like, yeah, it is too much. Yeah, she's like, I don't need this. And, and again, she is so... Um, a lot of her interviews, she talks about just... Her growing up in this hometown uh, in Tennessee, and and the people that made her, and I think uh, she was she was right. She never left. She just brought it with her wherever she went. Um, I think uh, you know she has two stars in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, has ten Grammy awards, was honored at the Kennedy Center. Um, you know it, the list goes on and on for the amount of awards that she has, uh, and. She has a fungus named after her in the Appalachians. Um, yeah, it, it's truly the only honor you need. Right. Once you're a fungus, hun, what else do you need? Yeah, exactly. It's done. Game's done. Um, and, and yeah, and, and so coming up to now, you know, we have Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. Uh, she has an album out right now. Um, there's a book out right now. She, is she has f- her Netflix TV show, which came out last year, Dolly Parton's Heartstrings, which yes. is based off of songs she's written. Yeah, she's she's just everywhere. She's she's the literal embodiment of the Jay Z thing. She's not a businessman. She's a business man. Man, woman, woman. <laughs> uh, but I think that wraps wraps up our um, very very um, truncated. Rewind of the prolific Dolly Parton. So as I said, when we got into this, I think she's sort of she's an open book, but somehow still impossible to know. Oh, and I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, she and and she is not afraid to be like, well, that's personal. Yeah. And I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. And it's like, good. I mean, that's that is I don't I don't want to extend the section any longer. I think and I I, but I did want to say this. Uh. I do find I'm of two minds when it comes to her politics. She doesn't talk about politics. That's fine. She, if she wants to part of me, some dark part of me is like, well, she should, she -hmm. should, she should Mm -hmm. speak out. She has a platform. The other part of me is like, we live in a stupid fucking world that no longer believes that art is political. Yeah. And I think she said it all in her songs. She's living beginning. 
she's living her truth and yeah. I think that that speaks louder than you know what being like loud on twitter or whatever right well that's the thing is i also don't need her to comment on everything like i don't need a knee-jerk comment from a celebrity every time something happens and like sure she's allowed to get mad but once again i i think she's you know she's put it into her work and she is an artist and i i think sometimes you know journalists it's easier for them to just like put a microphone in someone's face and say what do you believe and not do the you know, she's she had songs about abortion in the 60s, back when it was illegal, songs about unwed mothers, suicide. I mean, it's it, it, I I I think I'd be more mad if I didn't know that she has and continues to give so much money to so many causes, you know? Yes. And, and, and that's the other half of it is like sh- she's putting her money where her mouth is as well, which I speaks volumes. I don't I don't need her to necessarily get on a high horse every no. time some no. shitty news drops but as you were saying we are wrapping up <laughs> the the rewind so why don't we move into our picks truly fascinating human being and just just genuinely i don't know i i i feel like we've talked so much and barely scratched the surface mm-hmm. let's do our one star first i think both of them are so tough to pick yeah five star and one stars um you know what i i think i'm going to have to choose um 1996's unlikely angel um it's bad and and i think yeah i i totally get it it's 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 bad but also i think it's the beginning of dolly with this to me what feels like a very performative and sandblasted version of like what a good Christian woman should be that I do not think is truthful to the Dolly experience. I think she's smarter than this movie. I think she's funnier than this movie. And I mean, I guess it's like this made for CBS Christmas special. Um, She's playing Ruby diamond like we mentioned before, um, she's kind of a selfish, but not even even not really. I, I, I don't want to say she's selfish. She wants to be a star. Like, the okay? Like, is that a crime? Um, oh, but wait, this also, this movie also, like, makes allusions that she's, like, a loose woman. Right. The movie, and, like. And, and that's the other, like, upsetting thing is it's, like, so she's not getting into heaven because she cares about herself and also is really sex. into men. Yeah, right. she has sex. All your life. You have done exactly as you wanted, gone where you wanted, said what you wanted. You have never thought of anyone else but yourself. Well, if you had no intentions of sticking a halo over my head, why'd you drag me up here in the first place? Why didn't you just send me on down to Uncle Clem? Well, now that certainly is an option. The beginning is like her catching her not boyfriend, but like the man she's sleeping with hooking up with another woman in a car and he's like, I'm sorry, baby. And she's like, no, it's my fault. I never told you that we were like, whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, and it's just, uh, I, <laughs> you sent me this and you really, like, you have to watch this. And there's just like nothing. The, the movie also the budget, hun, I don't know what happened to her, but like the book, every time she's like, gets a sense of like playfulness or sexiness a bible falls yeah and it's like 
like the crazy like effects that are going on. Um, I also really hated the trope of the idea that you know Saint Peter's like I'm going to send you to Earth and you got to do these things. If you need me, call me for help. And then he's not really there to help. No, he just sh- he shows up to like side eye her a bunch, right? And he and say some cryptic shit. And she's just like, well, I don't know how I'm supposed to do that in two weeks. They don't got no Christmas in here. And it's like, what? And yeah. the the whole gag of that, if she saves Christmas for this family, that they'll love each other. La, 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 la. Um, and, and also this movie cannot help itself by inserting this like ugly subplot of like, somehow her and the dad have this sexual tension and chemistry so which they don't that's right. the problem the movie keeps trying to sell us on the fact that like her and this dad might fall in love as well and there's nothing there but there's they they want us to think that so to add this like added tension between like this other woman who is being set up to be the actual one that the dad falls in love with and it's like literally why this is a woman who's an she is dead there is no way that we would believe that this dead angel woman is going to end up with the father. That makes no fucking sense. Right. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, I think she's better than this movie. Um, though I will say Christmas on the square is right. Nipping at the heels of unlike the angel. And I do think it's funny because they're both the place where she played an angel. I, I would say maybe, I don't know. There's really not a lot of defense for Christmas on the Square. It's really bad, no no matter how you cut it, which is unfortunate. Uh, but uh, maybe it's because she's given less to do in Christmas on the Square. I don't know. Well, she wrote like the 10,000 songs that are in Christmas yeah. on the Square and was like, I'll oh. be... I'll I'll give Christmas on the Square this. It was announced the other day that she uh, saved a child from getting hit by a car while That's making true. it. That's true, yeah. The- so there you go. <laughs> Dolly Parton, fully 74 years old, snatched a child out of harm's way. And for that, it is not a one-star review. (laughs) So my one-star review, and I feel like this is cheating because she's only in it very little, uh, like we said, but it is Frank McCluskey CI. Mm. Uh, Frank McCluskey CI is this terrible film uh, about an insurance adjuster uh, whose partner dies. Uh, Frank McCluskey, I should say... He's the son of a of a evil Knievel knockoff. Yeah, like a, a daredevil father who is played by Randy Quaid, who goes into a waking coma uh, as a kid, and because of this, Dolly Parton, his mom, has decided that he must be safe at all times. He has to wear a helmet. You know, he's strapped into bed. Um, this character, Frank McCluskey, is played by Dave Sheridan. If you're saying who now? I also agree because I have no idea who this man is. Dave Sheridan, uh, who you will only know as the very offensive. Um, he is in Scary Movie as the as the Dewey Riley character. Dewey Riley character, who yeah. which again is also offensive. Um, but yeah, he's fully doing the Jim Carrey. Um, yeah. it's Ace Ventura, except yes. he's uh, his partner dies. He he finds out his partner's gay. You know what? The rest of the plot is not really important. Uh, the rest of the plot, I was like, I don't know anything about insurance, and I don't give a fuck about investigating yeah. insurance fraud. Right. 
exactly. Are you fucking kidding me? Putting a whole movie around this? And then who's the celebrity that they're like... They keep doing a pun it's Scott Bayo. Scott it's fucking, fucking Trump Bayo. supporter Scott Bayo. God damn it. Um, and it's so funny because, you know, the, the famous line from 9 to 5 is that, you know, their boss is a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. And this movie is all of those things. This movie is horribly sexist. It's homophobic. It's transphobic. It's, and it's, it's really frustrating because there's other real actors in this movie. Kevin Pollock's in this movie. Tracy Morgan's in this movie. Andy Richter's in this movie. Kevin Farley, Chris Farley's brother, playing essentially playing what Chris Farley would have done in the movie, is in this movie. I think the the meanest the movie gets is the fact that it has China in it. R.I.P. China. Oh, God, I forgot about China. And they're putting her in these very revealing outfits, basically like the Jennifer Lopez red carpet outfit and the, yeah. the you know, the, the fishnet dress. And the joke is, boy, you know, she looks like a man and she's disgusting. And it bothered the hell out of me because China, I think, you know, she deserved to be treated like a, a beautiful woman. And this movie's just like, nope, she can't have it. She can't yeah. have it at all. The joke and, is that she's like inappropriately sexual and like yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of like a lot of this plots of the movie is where she where Frank fucks her to get information yeah. from work because she's like this horny she devil. The ending has her in a catwoman suit for no reason. No reason. Uh, but I will. Say, I would. I do want to turn this towards Dolly Parton. As I said, it's a it's a ninety minute film. It's actually barely ninety minutes, and Dolly Parton plays his mother in it. And I think she, I think she was wooed by the idea that it was going to be this this R rated comedy that was going to be this like you know hip kids that like kids are going to love this even though it's R rated. It was going to be the Ace Ventura, and she is so disconnected from the material yeah and so there's like a scene where she's just like you know uh frank mccluskey brings his new partner home it's this woman and she's just like instantly threatened by her presence (laughs) and it's the i don't know that scene was what did it for me because i was just like it's what the fuck is happening in this movie frank you brought company and it's a girl. Great. Hi, I'm Sharon. <laughs> You're the little hussy that's got him gallivanting all over town without a helmet. Um, I told you, uh... Oh, no, it's okay. Fall down and die. See if I care. You know, Mom, Sharon and I have to go up to my room and work on a case. A case of herpes from the looks of her. Frankie, remember to wear protection. It's the, like, infinitely worse wannabe version of Waterboy, you know? Where Kathy Bates' character, in the same type of way, is threatened by yeah. this woman, and and she just wants to keep her son safe. It's it's literally the same parallel, but Dolly is not making any choices here, and no. the character is so underwritten and transparent. Yeah. It's just like there's nothing here. They 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 truly did not give a fuck about that character or the reasoning why she is the way she is. Right. And it, and it's it's hard to watch Dolly at a loss for charm. Yeah. And that's really what it is. It's like her trying she's trying to find something charming 
right just are relatable like, oh, about this woman y- your your dad and did this and that and i just want to keep you safe it's it's just it reads so um hollow yeah um that's because i, I the, the movie barely takes anything seriously um p.s there's blackface in this movie i was just gonna say there's blackface uh this movie is offensive to the handicap Yes. Like, it's just, I, I just don't, it was almost like they had a checklist of, mm-hmm. like, people that they could hurt the feelings of. The early aughts were wild, wild for comedy in general. I could not believe that this film was in the 2000s. It's from 2002. 2002. Anyways, was there anything else that you saw that you didn't particularly like? I did not rewatch Joyful Noise. Yeah. But... If you listen to our Queen Latif episode, you know how I feel about that. I cannot and, believe that they tried to make Chris Brown an usher into Jesus music. That's wild. Give me a story about gospel and church. I don't care. But please, please, for the love of G-O-D, don't, don't do that. Chris Brown, yeah, no. It's it's the gleification of things, and it really doesn't work. And once again... Uh, I mentioned in the Queen Latifah episode, this was supposed to be Dolly Parton's big return to movies. They were going to start producing more movies. And I just, the thing is too, is I I also didn't rewatch it, but I was thinking pretty in-depthly about it because I had just seen it for the Queen Latifah episode. And I just kept thinking like, is her character, her character's like barely necessary. Like her character exists almost solely because she is Dolly Dolly Parton. Parton. Yeah. If it was anybody else, they would have cut almost all of her scenes and just been like, oh, this rich lady gave us money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, I, it's, it's offensive to like Christians and non-Christians, honestly. Like, yeah. I don't think it plays to like people who they're trying to get. It certainly doesn't play to like us fucking heathens. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's a fucking mess. Um, I think we've mentioned that Christmas on the Square is just, a psycho movie that I don't know is, uh, you know, I, I watched it with my sister and we ate weed brownies while doing it. So yeah, that's, I mean, I wish I had, uh, (laughs) I, I, I know you liked it better than I did, but wild Texas wind, I, I, I would put in my, though every, I will say I liked everything you had to say about it. And so that maybe changes my mind, but I think from a pure, you know, bad movie standpoint. She's good in it. And so maybe I'm a little reluctant to say it's a one star review for her, but I think everything else is a one star review in that movie. I think Rhinestone is worse. Rhinestone's real bad. Rhinestone's real bad. Of her, of her like big productions, I think Rhinestone is yeah. uh, a, a very misguided, very, yeah. you know, like, uh, and, and the that, thing that, that is like a fire your agent moment. I think it's time to get a little more positive. So why don't we move into our five-star reviews? I feel a little awkward whenever I give five-star or one-star to a first performance, but I gotta say, her portrayal of Doralee Rhodes in 9 to 5 is so brilliant. And listen, listen, you can watch it and you can see there's some first-performance jitters, especially if you're focusing specifically on Dolly. But honestly, she just sort of melts it away. I'll, I'll get a little more specific in a moment. Why don't I describe the plot? Nine to five. We brought it up in the Jane Fonda episode. Uh, she is one of three main secretaries in that movie. It's her, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda. They all, you know, their boss is 
a horrible person. He's a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. Mm-hmm. And so they think they've accidentally poisoned him. <laughs> and, and because of this, he decides he's going to blackmail them. So they do the unthinkable and kidnap him. And they're basically going to blackmail him into never mentioning it again. Just it's like a, a very, fun little light, like yeah, casual. I, I genuinely always forget how dark it gets. Yes. The, um, their boss played by Dabby, Dabney Coleman, by the way. Uh, and what follows is just like this actually really fun romp about these three women who feel like real people. And I think one of the brilliant things the movie does is it lets you see them outside of work. You know, you you get Doralee's little bit of story with her husband. You get Liz Tomlin's little bit with her family, her kid that's selling pot. Yes. And, and leaves her, you know, a, a cigarette in her purse. And I, I love when they're commiserating at the bar when they realize what a scumbag their boss actually is. And Lily Tomlin's like, I got it. Yeah. And then she pulls out a cigarette and they're like, is that, you know, like, oh, you roll your own? Like, she's when you like, say no. cigarette, you mean weed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, that's, but I mean, but that's the idea is that like Dolly Parton's like, oh, you smoke? Oh, you roll your own? Like she doesn't realize it's weed at first. A sweet little innocent baby. Yeah, exactly. Um, And and those are the moments I really like, all three of them sitting together, getting high. Uh, The, you know, the moments where they have to come together to, when Lily Tomlin thinks she has poisoned her boss, she accidentally steals a corpse from the hospital and then they have to bring it back. (laughs) And when they're arguing about that, and this is what I was saying about, you can, you can see some of the strings, I will admit. And I, and I think it's sort of fascinating to watch it happen when they're arguing about the body, you know, Jane Fonda's at the trunk of the car and Lily Tomlin and Dolly are screaming at each other. And then Jane freaks out on them and you see Dolly turn and look at Jane and for the briefest of moments, you you can see her, like, calculating her next move as an actor. But then she turns back to Lily Tomlin. And Lily Tomlin starts giving her some business with her face. Yeah. And she's right back in it. She's right back. She's Dora Lee. She's playing that character. Boots house down. And I, I don't know. I, I love everything that she's doing in this movie. The scene, you know one of the very first times you see her and her the boss interact he's basically like chasing around the desk you know and when she finally tells him off because she's the one who tells him off right away from the top right it's so cathartic and it's such a good performance and i think the thing is is like people weren't used to seeing dolly be mad Mm mm-hmm so you've been telling everybody I'm sleeping with you, huh? No. Well, that explains it. That's why these people treat me like some dime store no, bluesy. No, they it's think not. I'm screwing the boss. That's not it at all. Oh, and you just love it, don't you? It gives you some sort of cheap thrill, like knocking over pencils and picking sure, up papers. Now, let's don't get excited. Get your scummy hands off of me. Look, I've been straight with you from the first day I got here, and I put up with all your pinching and staring and chasing me around the desk because I need this job, but this is the last straw. All right, now, wait. Let's let's, let's just sit down and... Look, I got a gun out there in my purse, huh. and up to now I've been forgiven and forgetting because of the way I was brought up, but I'll tell you one thing. If you ever say another word about me or make another indecent proposal, I'm going to get that gun of mine. And I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. <laughs> Don't think I can't do it. And I think she's really channeling that anger of all these women who are put upon by their boss, who are just, you know, treated poorly 
and then expected to be both their, the the wives and the mothers of these terrible men. I don't know. It's, it's right. fascinating to watch. Right. But also, I think, you know, there must have been some part of her being like, I get to say what ha- I've been trying to say to literally every fucking man who's interviewed me, who has this, you know, sideways thoughts about me in, in this entire industry, the music industry, the movie industry. And, and so she finally gets to say, like, hey, listen up. Like, I am a human being. Like, I am more than these pair of tits. Like, I get it. Like, I understand. But you have a brain, too. Like, fucking figure it out. I, I, I can't keep doing it. And so there's this, like, fun catharsis that we get to have with her. Um, and, and yeah, it, it, it's informed in a very real way. Um, and, and you're totally right. And I kind of like Roger Ebert said, like, it's clear, like, holy shit, she is a star. Absolutely. And so, like I said, I'm always, I'm always a little nervous when I give it to a first performance because I feel like I'm saying she hasn't done anything good since. Uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I think there's something so raw and fun to watch that it is truly, it's a star-making performance. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. It's hard to, like, pick anything after that, really, but I am, damn it. Um, <laughs> and... I, I I have to talk about 1982's Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which is just just a barrel of laughs, a bucket of fun, and again, you know, similar to Nine to Five, uh, you know, she is this woman who, you know, cl- clearly, like I said, big difference is she's very sexualized in this movie. <laughs> she is a madam of a uh, a whorehouse, the Chicken Ranch, um, but. You know, also very smart, intelligent, also similar to Dolly in real life, is a philanthropist, gives back to the community. Uh, if you don't know about The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, it was a musical off-Broadway um, already established. Um, and it is about the Chicken Ranch, which is a real ranch in, I think it's LaGrange, Texas, um, that, like the movie, survived the Depression by, you know taking chickens for payment and that's how it got its name um there was an actual madam who uh ran the house um and and that's the character that dolly plays uh miss mona is her name uh miss mona stangley and it's just she looks incredible that first number um is just some of the most fun and and i think and dolly is so excellent she's such a storyteller and so not just she's singing so well but she's able to tell the narrative through the song and i believe her the the line reading or line singing of the doors that away is so good to me she fucking nails it so hard um but essentially, sorry, back to the plot. Um, she runs this <laughs> whorehouse that is a cultural institution, an icon in Texas. The governor goes there. Senators go there. College kids go there. Everyone fucking goes there, and they love it. And everyone just kind of, like, turns a blind eye, even though it's illegal. Until the media, the Christian far-right movement, Dom DeLuise... Uh, Melvin P. Thorpe, he has um, The Eyes of Texas, which is his TV show, and he basically um, puts the chicken ranch on blast and um, breaks in, films them, talks to the governor about it. The governor, played by Charles Derning, who we talked about in our last uh, in yeah. our holiday episode, fully Oscar, Oscar 
Oscar-nominated Best Supporting Actor Charles Durning for Best Little Horror House in Texas. He has one scene, one song, and then like a couple lines, and that's it. And he's so fun. Um, and yeah, and it's just, Burt Reynolds is the sheriff in town who's dating Mona as well. Um, they have this kind of complicated relationship. Uh, I gotta say the chemistry for them, though, is so good. Genuinely. Like, yeah, I I think they're just like really hot people who are having a lot of fun. And, you know, he, he said that, you know, when, when they got the script, Burt Reynolds wanted it to be rewritten because he wanted a song. He wanted to sing in it. And so Dolly wrote the song, um, Sneaking Around. Well, I like beer and rodeos, detective books and dominoes, football games and cheerios. And sneaking around with you. Sneaking around with you. And it's like a little duet for them to sing together. It's so fun. Um, there's a lot of genuine emotion, though, at the end when he is, you know, he wants to protect her, but he has to shut down the ranch. She can't lie low. There's a very homoerotic um, Texas A&M Aggie fucking locker room dance number, which is very hot. Um, and yeah, and she sings I'll Always Love You, um, Hard Candy Christmas. It's just nonstop fun um, emotion. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough about Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. It's it's one of my favorites. Uh, and, and I think she is just very, very good. And and again, she she you know is playing a character who I would say is very similar to Dolly. She's put she's sexualized in a lot of ways. I love this though. She said, you know what, I will play this woman who is actually like very sexual, um, right. but also at the same time, it's still going to show you that this, even this woman, this woman who has a house full of sex workers, is an asset to the community. Is you know a normal human being that deserves respect, and I just love it. And the movie made a buttload of money, and I'm glad for it. And if you haven't seen it, it is also available on Amazon to rent. Um, but yeah, I, I, give, I give it your hard-earned doll hairs, please. Give it. Um, yeah, I fucking love Best Little Horror House in Texas. I couldn't have said it any better, uh, but I did, I, I would have been remiss if we didn't mention, because I do actually think, you're right, I think it's her and Burt Reynolds being hot, and like, I don't know, it, sh- it shocked me, because I saw, I saw the movie as a kid, and I hadn't seen it since, and last year when I rewatched it, I was just like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is what bisexuality is. Ah, <laughs> ah. here she is. There she is. Uh, but yeah, was there anything else that you saw that you really liked? I mean, I, once again, she's not the main focus of Steel Magnolias, but it's hard to not acknowledge that, you know, she is part of that amazing ensemble. And she certainly is great in her scenes when she's there. It's just not. Yeah, and, and that was a role that she, you know, fought for and that they didn't really think that she would be right for. And I, you know, I think she definitely holds her own against the other characters um, and, and, and actors. You know, I, I don't think there's any, um, I, that's not a slight to her at all. I think, you know, she she's essential to the role or to the cast. Um, I like Straight Talk more than you did, but I just... You did? I like you that did. she is, um, like you mentioned, not a singer she's not you know it to me it felt like her really trying to move outside of what she normally does so and i I appreciate that so why don't we do our mixed reviews review 
my one star review was 1996's Unlikely Angel. And my one star review was 2002's Frank McCluskey CI. God, that movie. Uh, my five star review is 1982's The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And my five star review was 1980's Nine to Five. So now we're in our fast forward. I, I read that, you know, this year was a very um, concerted effort to do all these projects, get them out there. And that in the next year, she's going to take a break. She's, you know, going to move back from, you know, all the songwriting. Um, she's, I mean, she was on the cover of Marie Claire, all these magazine covers, interviews, uh, the movie. And, and she's going to take a break, and which is well-deserved. Uh, yeah, because truly she has... Because it's so clear that she can do whatever she wants, she doesn't need to ask anyone permission for anything. Right. Um, That's the thing. If she wanted to do one of those Christmas on the Square musicals, you know, one a year for the next... For the rest of her life, she essentially. Could. She could. You know, she, she said on Dolly Parton's America, she has enough recordings, music recordings... To last forever. Yeah. And she and she's recorded a ton of them acapella with a click track so anybody can remix them. Right. And that she has even made plans for like what that's going to be after she's gone. You know? Yeah. The, the legacy and brand of Dolly Parton will live on far beyond her. And she is actively a part of planning that out. Um, but all that to say, you know, she is clearly not done. No. Um because I would not have guessed that Dolly Parton would have been, I mean, putting out albums, sure, but still making movies and not just making movies, but like making movies, like financing, producing, like this is a Dolly Parton production. The movie is not called Christmas on the Square. It's called Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. She's still that very astute businesswoman. Um, and and I, we didn't even mention, you know, the, uh, the Netflix movie Dumplin', which she's not in, yeah. but she wrote a song for. She campaigned really hard for um, an Oscar nomination for that song. Um, and, you know, I, w- I was going to say, I don't know about many other living people that have many movies about them, too, because, you know, there's there's a there's a queer lesbian film from the early 2000s called Seeking Dolly Parton. You know, the, the, it's it's so interesting that she has such an impact for just being herself. Yeah. Yeah. And and I and a big part of Dolly Parton's America, and I think Dolly herself is she is universally beloved. What was the thing that her Q score is so high, like around the world, she ranks amongst the most beloved celebrities. Barely anyone has anything bad to say about her. Um and she has reached this level of fame um, that is just kind of unmatched um, because it's not just the songs, it's the acting, it's the philanthropy, it's all this goodwill she continues to give out to the world. It's just, it's just awe-inspiring. Yeah. She's truly amazing. And it's, and it's hard to capture that in, in one podcast episode. <laughs> Right, but I think also it's the perfect reason why that she is the perfect subject for our holiday episode because, you know, it's all about this idea of 
giving and, you know, yeah. remembering who you are, where you're from, um, being reflective, being, you know, having faith, whether it's in a God, whether it's in each other. Um, I think she is the perfect example because for her entire life, she has been always accepting. You have never heard her be disparaging. Uh, she's always so disarming, you know, even, you know, she talks about the queer community. She talks about uh, every community and just like being so loving and not wanting to alienate anyone. Um, and I just think that's so like pure. I mean, she is an angel, <laughs> unlikely as she may be. <laughs> but I think that wraps up Dolly Parton. And I just want to say happy holidays to everybody. Uh, whatever you celebrate, whatever you're doing, if you're not going home, if you're staying safe and, and you're quarantining, you know, please be careful, wash your hands, do all the things that you can to keep yourself healthy, keep others healthy, keep other people in mind this holiday season. And then the normal stuff that we say. So if you want to find us online, we're at The Mixed Reviews on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, the underscore mixed underscore reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. So make sure you get in your contest entries. We're also on Facebook to type in The Mixed Reviews. And if you want to listen to us like you have been doing this entire episode, please feel free to subscribe to us on a plethora of podcast apps. We're on Apple, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Audible, just search us there. And also, if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and review. We'll love you for it. We, we have such a good run right now, and we will read them on the show. If you yeah. Do. And if you are so inclined, we have merch available. Yeah, uh, merch. You can find those links on all of our social sites. Um, remember, email us if you want to um, enter the contest to get those downloads of The Stand-In starring Drew Barrymore. Uh, we are so excited to be doing that for you guys. Happy holidays. Stay safe. We'll see you in the new year. Absolutely. Um, we'll be bringing you our best and our worst of 2020 in the next oh episode. It's going to be all of us being like, well, the whole year was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Shortest Period. episode ever. So thank, thank you, everybody. You guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.